Amen. Thank you, Kelly. You may be seated. Good morning. Oh, come on. Good morning. It is. There we go. Awesome to have you with us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. I'm going to start with a passage over in Luke chapter 4. Or, no, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 4 is where I'm going to start, but I'm just hitting that a second. Our main passage is going to be in Luke chapter 15. And, uh, and if you don't have your Bibles with you, we'll show it up here on the side screens here in just a moment. But I, I want to kind of set the stage by looking at the story of Jesus calling two of his future disciples, Simon and Andrew. Okay, so to kind of set the stage, here's Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. And Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called who? Peter, that's how most of us know him. And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, a little side note. When Jesus is walking around on earth some 2,000 years ago, give or take, the way that he would call his disciples would simply be, say, follow me. Nothing big, nothing, you know, what fireworks, wasn't manipulation or force, just follow me. What's interesting, that's the exact same way he calls us to follow him today. Again, no force. No manipulation, no, it just, follow me. And uh, obviously it's in our best interest to follow him, and many of us have made that decision to do so. I, I, I always hope there's people under the sound of my voice who have not made that decision, that are seeking and trying to figure it out, and man, Jesus will just gently speak to you, and he'll, he'll just say, follow me. Um, we, we used to sing the song back in church when I was growing up, I have decided to follow Jesus. Uh, another chorus would say, though none go with me, still I would follow. The cross before me, the world behind me. And Many of us made that decision a long time ago. Some of us maybe just recently. Um, but to follow Christ means that he literally becomes everything to us right? Um, and everybody's following something. Um, everybody's following, maybe for some people it's friends, maybe for others uh, it's popular culture or self, selfish desires, or for some, like I just mentioned, it's God. We're, we're choosing to follow God. But the reality is, is that we can only follow one, one thing or one person at a time. Now, that's kind of the set the stage. We sometimes fail to ask in our following, where's he going? Or whatever it is you're following, we, we, or I'm following, sometimes we fail to ask, where's it going? Where's he going? Where's she going? Right? Um, think about it, because if, if you're serious about following somebody, for the rest of your life, it should be of interest to you of where that person is headed. Um, because if you mean business with that commitment to follow, you're going to end up where that 
person or that thing ends up. You're going, that person's destination is ultimately going to be your destination if you're serious about following them. And so, you know, I'm afraid sometimes we just fail to ask, where's he going? You know, what's his interests? When I first saw my wife, Krista, she was a freshman at Mount Vernon Nazarene University. Um, I was a senior. This was back like in the 1850s or something when this all was happening. Um, and we would see each other on campus and she just couldn't take her eyes off of me. She's not here today. She's down in Kentucky at a big family gig, so I can tell you how the story really went, okay? Um, she couldn't take her eyes off of me. I mean, she chased me and chased me until I could run no further. I mean, it was almost a little scary, and I just had no, no, uh, just, I just had to give, un, give in. And um, So that's how the story really went, in case you want to, reminder when she gets back uh, she she was one great looking lady I mean um, but most of all most important she was a great Christian is a great Christian um, but the reality is is that I didn't propose to her when I first met her even though she likely wanted me to I get it you know but uh, I didn't immediately propose to her. Why? Because I didn't know her. I didn't know where she was going. I, I didn't know her destination. I didn't know, you know, what her values were. And so we needed to get to know each other. We needed to discover where each other was going. Um, but as we got to know each other over time, I realized that I liked where she was headed. She realized she liked where I was headed. We liked each other's destination. And it was then and only then when we made that commitment to go, you know, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to walk through life with you. We made that decision official in 1994. Now, what's interesting as I was preparing this message some time ago, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure I had her marriage year right because it's one thing to get it wrong in front of your wife while you're sitting in the living room by yourselves, but to get it in front of wrong in front of hundreds of people, that's horrible. And your wife. It's double horrible. Um, and so I, I shot her a text as I was preparing this message. I said, uh, well, here it is. I'll let you read it. Enjoy my pain here. I'm working on a sermon illustration. We got married in 2004, correct? <laughs> and you see, her response was delivered to me. Considering our kids were born in 1998 and 2001, probably not. Uh, I got the four right. And I do remember as clear as day, it was during deer season. I can always remember it's during deer season. I just couldn't remember which one. Anyway, so that, I'll give you the very short version. We, we drove from Mount Vernon to Flatwoods, Kentucky, home of Billy Ray Cyrus. Um, 
On the way down, I ran to the store, ran into a store. It was like a Kroger or something. There was a candy gumball toy machine there, and I ran in. I got, I had like three or four quarters, and so I had four chances to get two rings. And so I literally, after my three or four quarters, I got the two rings. One was a smiley face, one was a soccer ball. And I, I pulled up in front of the local courthouse there, and uh, I got out of the car, went around, asked her to be my rook partner for life, because we like to play rook. Um, we found a judge. Uh, he found two folks just working in their office. This is back when they could smoke cigarettes. You know, they're just sitting there watching all this go on. I literally sing to her in the midst of this office um, with these two random people just working, Deeper Than the Holler, a, song by, a great song by Randy Travis. Um, and, and the rest is history. We got married. We made it an official decision, a commitment to follow each other. Okay, so back to Jesus calling each one of us to follow him. The good news is that he tells us exactly who he is. Jesus tells us exactly where he's going. He tells us with crystal clarity what the passion of his heart is. And knowing this helps us to be better followers of Jesus. And so the question is, where is he going? Where will we end up if we are serious about following Jesus? And I want to answer that question by looking at some parables. Now, some of you who are new to church, you're like, what's a parable? I always like to explain a, just kind of a general definition of a parable. is simply a story that's used to illustrate a, a moral or a spiritual lesson that's being told and being taught by Jesus. Well, there are three parables or three stories or three illustrations in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son, or you might know it as the prodigal son. And by looking at these three parables just briefly this morning, we can see clearly what is the passion of the heart of Jesus. Now, what you have to understand is that as Jesus is teaching, he normally shares one parable or one story to represent one truth, right? Um, then he moves to another story and shares another truth. Um, a rare occasion, he would actually use two stories to share the same truth, but that wasn't very often. There was only one time in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus ever used three stories to explain the same truth. I mean, it, it's like he's so concerned that we get this. Um, and so, you know, Jesus gives us one parable, and he's like, hey, if, in case you didn't get it on that one, I'll give you another story to illustrate the truth I'm trying to get to you. And then, again, after the second one, in case you didn't get it on that one, this is so important to me, Jesus is saying, I'm going to tell you a third story. I want to make sure you understand exactly what I am communicating. Um, but he was communicating the same truth with all three stories. And what it communicates is the answer to the question of where Jesus is going. Now, I'm going to read the first two parables. I'm just going to summarize the last one for you because it's a little bit long. But Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep... Oh, and by the way, if you haven't figured that out, me and Christy elope. That's why the story 
if I didn't set the stage there, it probably sounded kind of weird. And Okay. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. That's story number one. Here's story number two, beginning with verse eight. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Um, those two stories are followed by another parable, which I'll summarize for you. Basically, one father has these two sons. The one son wants his inheritance now, um, in advance. He takes that inheritance, and he goes, and he spends it, and uses it in riotous living and in sinful ways. Uh, it's all gone, he wastes it all, he comes to his senses, he realized that what he had done was wrong, he decides to go back to his dad's house, just going, man, if he'll just receive me back as a servant, as a slave, I don't even need to be accepted in as a son, I just, just take me back in some way, shape, or form. But the story goes that when he's a long way off, the father sees him in the distance, and the father runs out and hugs him and welcomes him back and fully restores his position. And, and by the way, here in a few weeks, we're going to go real in-depth on this particular story. Now, another part of the story is his brother who stayed at home and worked was jealous of the attention that was shown to the lost son by his father, but that's kind of a part two of the story. Uh, so let's talk about those three parables for just a moment. In each one of these parables, there, there are some things that are common. There's, in each parable, there's something that is where it should be. There's something where it shouldn't be. And then in each of these parables, there's someone who represents God. So in the first parable about the lost sheep, who does the shepherd represent? God, right? And then there's something in the wrong place. It's the one lost sheep. You know, one sheep isn't where it's supposed to be. Sheep are dumb anyway. So, you know, if I, if I were the shepherd, um, I probably would have said, you know, that one's extra dumb. I mean, you know, he's not staying in the safety of his group and with me. And, he, you know, his DNA needs to be cut out of the gene pool anyway. Let him go, you know. Um... So there's one in the wrong place and not where the shepherd wants that one to be. So, all right, uh, in the third parable, or the second parable, there's, there's one coin that's lost. There's nine coins that are where they're supposed to be. And what does the woman represent? God. Um, 
In the third parable, the prodigal son obviously is the one that's not where he is supposed to be. There's, so there's a lost son. There's a son that's where he's supposed to be, that's in the right place. And who does the father in this parable represent? There we go. Um, so here's the point that Jesus is trying to make in these three parables. You know, each of these parables have two categories, something that is lost, something that is found, okay? Um, which category gets God's focus and attention? The lost. In the story of the shepherd, the shepherd's focus is on the sheep that's in the wrong place. Even though that sheep is in the minority, the shepherd leaves the 99 in the wilderness and doesn't make sense to us, but there's something in the heart of the shepherd that he cannot let go of this one that he loves so passionately. He can't stand the thought of that one sheep being lost, and so he leaves the 99, he goes out into the desert, into the wilderness, and finds the lost sheep. And the second parable, the attention of the woman is on that which is in the wrong place. She, she lights a lamp. She sweeps the house. She does everything she can to find this lost coin. In the third parable, the father's focus is on who? Yeah, the lost son. How do we know that? Because the scripture tells us that as the, the son was a long ways off, you know, the father saw him coming and the son, or the father was so excited that he ran and he hugged and he accepted and he fully restored that lost son. Um, and so the point that Jesus is trying to make is that his attention, his focus is on that which is lost. He, he is passionate about finding the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And on his way to finding the lost sheep and the coin and the son, on that which is lost, he looks at those who are near him and he says, follow me. Follow me. Follow me, not only to church on Sunday morning, and that's very, very necessary, critical for your spiritual growth. That's part of it, but follow me to find the lost sheep, the lost coin, follow me to find the lost son and welcome home another lost person. Folks, that's the original version of Christianity. When, when you choose to follow Jesus right up front, you can know with crystal clarity who he is, where, his, where he's going, what his passion is. This is our destination. If the destination is anything other than this, it is not Christianity. It may be some kind of 21st century version of something, but it is not Christianity. It's not the destination of Jesus because the scripture very clearly points out this is, this is the heart of Jesus. Now let me just mention a, a quick kind of a rabbit trail side note here. Go, go back to the two brothers we first read about when Jesus called them to follow him. One of them, his name was Peter. 
Um, he went on to follow Jesus. He did really well, but later on in life, when Jesus was arrested, when Jesus was facing crucifixion and everybody was hating on Jesus, Peter made an adjustment on how he followed Jesus. In Matthew 26, it says, But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Okay, so it's at this point that the stakes are higher for following Jesus. Your safety is at risk. And Peter makes the mistake at following Jesus from a distance. I'll get this. He's still technically following Jesus. But it's from a distance. And later we see how people are asking Peter, Hey, aren't you one of his disciples? And Peter's denying Jesus, going, No, I'm not one of his disciples. You see, the point is, I think, when we follow from a distance, it changes our relationship. And suddenly the focus is on our security, our peace, our joy, our stuff, our safety, rather than finding the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. You know, if these people would have asked Peter earlier on, hey, aren't you one of the disciples of Jesus? He would have said, yeah, man, I am. I'm proud to be. Why don't you come with us? Follow us as well but when he started following from a distance his focus became about that which would save his own life fortunately peter came back to following jesus after the resurrection he was fully restored he was fully back in it and when that happened it was all about others again you know he was about the lost sheep the lost coin and the lost son so i have a, a question for you a simple question and it's this, is your safety and comfort taking priority over risking everything like Jesus did to find the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son? Have you become complacent? Have, have we rationalized away eternity? Do we really believe that there truly is a heaven to gain, that there truly is a hell to shun, and that people are going to spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell, period, and there is no third option. Jesus is calling us to follow him, to give our all to find the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Jesus came for those who are lost. He came for those who are broken. He came for those who are hurting. He came for those who are spiritually sick. And he invites us to follow him on this mission. And he's very clear as to where he is headed. Here's one of our core values as New Life Church of the Nazarene. It's this. People are our passion. Do you know why that's one of our core values? Because it was a core value of Jesus. People were his passion. Here's another one of our core values. Hope is our message. Yes, we as people are lost and broken and hurting, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us on an old rugged cross, there's hope for the people for whom Jesus has this passion and for whom we should have this passion. There's this message of hope. And then there's when I look at our denomination overall, the Church of the Nazarene, there's 
there's three core values, and one of them in the Church of the Nazarene, one of our core values is this. And in fact, I'm going to invite you to read it with me. We're going to show it up here on the screen. Here it is. We are a missional people. We are a sent people responding to the call of Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit to go into all the world witnessing to the Lordship of Christ and participating with God in the building of the church and the extension of his kingdom. Is that who we are? Is that what we're doing? Or have we lost sight? Have we lost the passion? Have we started following from a distance? Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you two questions before I pray. The first question is simply this. It's just us. Is there anyone here that go, you know what, Troy? The Lord's speaking to me through this passage. And you don't have to tell us how or specifically what it means, but the Lord's just speaking to me this morning about what you're talking about. Is there anyone right now that say, you know, I love the Lord, I'm a Christian, but he's speaking to me. Anyone raise your hand and say, Troy, I want you to pray for me this morning. That's me. I just feel the Spirit of God speaking to me. Amen. Amen. Someone else. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Anyone else? Lord speaking to me about this. Okay, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Here's question two. Maybe you're sitting there in your seat going, you know what? I don't really understand it all, but I think I'm that lost sheep. I'm that lost coin. I'm that prodigal son, or I'm that prodigal daughter that has run off into the far country. And, and I've never purposefully accepted Jesus Christ as the Savior of my life, as my friend. This morning, I cannot end this message without offering that opportunity. And let me tell you something. There's nothing weird about this. We're not going to do anything weird. It, all you got to do is realize you need this and then receive the work that God has already done on your behalf through his son, Jesus Christ, on an old rugged cross and accept it. And he's there with the forgiveness and the full restoration and but you got to take the first step and go, that's me. I want that this morning for my life. We're going to do this just a little differently, and I'm just going to hold for a moment. Is there anyone that would just, just stand up right where you're at and say, Troy, that's me. I want you to lead me in prayer this morning so that I can receive Jesus as my friend and as my Savior and as the Lord of my life. Just going to hold for a moment. Is there anyone before I pray that wants to stand up and do that? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you in this moment, and I thank you for all of those who raised their hands and said, boy, your spirit is speaking to them about something related to this story. You're... Lord, I believe they love you, and they're... maybe it has to do with life has gotten distracting, and they're following from a distance, and maybe some of them are more concerned about other things that and they just sense your spirit going, man, we got to reprioritize this morning. I, I don't know what it is. Lord, I pray that you'd help everyone who raised their hands in this moment. Lord, I also pray that if, if there is someone here sitting under the sound of my voice or online, that if they're, 
if they are that lost coin or that lost son or that lost sheep and they're not in relationship with you Father I pray that you would just continue to speak to them and love them and draw them to yourself and continue to call them to follow you and Lord at some point here may they have the wisdom to take that step thank you Lord for your faithfulness thank you for your teaching in our lives in Jesus name I invite you all to stand if anyone wants to come pray as we worship this morning the altars are open